0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Jeff from A Series of Horrors, and we are looking for sponsors. If you are interested in sponsoring A Series of Horrors podcast, all you need to do is reach out to us at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com, or you can always slide into our DMs at Series of Horrors podcast on Instagram. Thanks.
1: Welcome to the Series of Horrors. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am
0: Jeff from America. And today we are in bonus episode land
1: yes we are a mysterious land
0: yes mysterious and cold and um shadowy foggy glitchy both of these things yes before we get started with paranormal activity next week a little palate cleanser to clear our minds from saw traps and the like figure we'll go to a nice little horror comedy question mark show
1: yeah i mean there was some comedy to it i enjoyed some of the jokes the horror less so
0: (laughs) i'm like there were jokes i don't remember
1: there being jokes. Oh, I wrote down a couple of their jokes because I found them amusing. Alright, cool,
0: because... Oh, boy. Um, these are Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, truth seekers.
1: Yes. And
0: Merida from Brave is in it, too.
1: Who's she? Oh, she was the wife.
0: No, no, she's not the wife. She is um Agent 23 or whatever. Um, His super fan that ends up being something at the end. That one. Her.
1: Oh, that's Merida?
0: Yeah, the accent. Every time I hear the accent, anyone, I'm like, I know you. She's also in Iron Man, but whatever. Oh, huh.
1: interesting. My like only note other than Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and um, why can't I remember Clockwork Orange's name? Malcolm McDowell. My other note was that the actress that plays Astrid, she looks like the white British version of Rashida Jones. Okay.
0: Do you see it? Jones' daughter.
1: Yeah. I kind of see it. Kind of? It's just like a white version of her. Maybe I've just watched too much Black AF lately. I don't know. She's just on my mind.
0: I hope our fans uh, thank us for watching this and saving them the torture. Yeah.
1: We will talk you through. We'll give you all the plot twists and you can listen to this in an hour and a half and not spend how long would that be? Three hours?
0: Four hours? Because there are eight episodes at half hour a pop. It took me days to watch these four hours.
1: I could only watch one episode a day because of my extreme note-taking. It means that it's like an hour and a half per episode for me. No, no. Don't want to do more than that.
0: That last day I watched, I want to say three episodes and I was very proud of myself. I was super proud of you boy was it a slog
1: yeah i was just like jeff is showing me up three episodes in a day like,
0: it was that third that third episode i i think i restarted it twice <laughs> it's like halfway through I'm like I, i'm so bored i don't even know what happened all right hold on let me restart this
1: yes there were many times after i finished an episode and i'm like i don't i know i took five pages of notes but what just happened <laughs> like did anything happen do i even exist anymore
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's happening am i a truth seeker? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Every episode pretty much led them somewhere in the end, like it all connected in the last episode. But to spend a full half hour episode on each one of these things where it's like small things come back. It was just boring.
0: <laughs> these guys usually do better. Like I said, I'm not a fan of most of their stuff, but it's usually better than this.
1: It's usually pretty tight. Was it the same director as always or was this their own like little project?
0: I think this was their own little project. It wasn't the same director.
1: Let's start with these notes. <laughs> and with episode 1. All right. Episode 1 opens with a female character watching TV while she's napping. Black smoke starts to begin to fill her room and she walks into the kitchen which is on fire. Her mom is washing dishes. She turns around in a trance-like state and in a distorted voice says that the tumble dryer might be on the mood. We get a close-up on the dryer and it has a product number 1597. And then there's a large explosion that engulfs the mom. And we get a quick cut to this like silhouetted ominous figure just like their head. Next, we cut to a hospital scene. A phone pings in a dark hallway and lights come up to reveal that it's a hospital. There's the same woman for that was napping in the previous scene uh she's now in the hospital and the bed lights come on beside her this wakes her up in an otherwise dark room and she's scared she calls out hello isn't me i'm looking for and then <laughs>
0: <laughs> the ghosts are like hell yeah it's the blind girl shows up with the, with the little bust of... You know.
1: I thought it was appropriate since we find out uh, Elton's name later is uh, Lionel Richie. But anyway, first we see this character and we will eventually in episode three find out her name is Astrid. So it's just easier for me to call her Astrid. Although we don't know her name until episode three. So Astrid is wandering the halls and the lights are turning around on around her and then she sees this burnt figure of her mom and some other ominous hooded figures that have claw-like hands and beaks they chase her and then we cut to the title card scene font time how do you feel about this font
0: eh, it's like the show eh, it's not bad no it, it's fine it's like it's like the mountain dew font is what it reminds me of of.
1: yeah and then they did like a little glitchy kind of effect on it that's it
0: this i do have to say for something positive on the show astrid's ghosts and they seem to be like the ghosts from ghost that try to take you to hell or heaven or whatever they have a cool tv glitching effect. Yeah.
1: I found that interesting. I mean, it reminded me more of The Ring and Samara, just like the glitchiness of it. Yeah, I can see that. That was cool.
0: But so then we, I think this is where we meet Nick Frost, the truth seeker.
1: Yes, we do. So we meet Nick Frost. He has a radio playing and it's mainly static. And then you will hear one, one, one repeatedly. He's tinkering around with some various machines and we see a picture of him and his wife on his desk. A dark figure passes behind him. He starts reading a magazine. It has an article that says Britain's most haunted wanted in it he walks away for only for a, an old man in a robe to appear where he once stood nick sits down uh and starts attending to the radios and machines and the old man ominously begins gliding up the stairway only to turn out that it's a stair chair like lift thing that a stair
0: lift, uh, whatever. yeah
1: yeah So Nick Frost uh, turns around and accuses him of stealing one of his biscuits, and we find out that it's his dad. They argue in an amusing kind of way, and then he sends him up the stairs with a remote. And he's like, fuck you.
0: (laughs) This I found a cool idea. I'm trying to come up with positives to say about this show before we totally probably tear it apart later. It was a cool thought to have these guys. By the way, Nick Frost ends up working for a company called Smile. Mm -hmm. And they are cable installers, like internet installers. Mm -hmm. So it was a cool way to get them into these old houses where they, them and their Scooby gang find a ghost which i thought was what the show was going to be based on this first episode and it is not
1: yeah that's what i thought too i thought it was just going to continue to be like them finding various ghosts in different places and it being like a monster of the week kind of thing but no
0: but no 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 it was <laughs> no, not that at all no he goes into work. He goes in his nice little um, work truck. Mm-hmm. He meets Tim and Peg, he, and he talks to... Is his name Nick in the show, too? Just been calling no, him his
1: name's Gus, but I didn't know that yet, so my notes just said Nick, and then I just continued to call him Nick in my notes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, Nick, <laughs> as Nick. we will continue to.
1: Yep. I'm sorry for anyone that has watched this and is like, who the fuck is Nick? Who are you talking about? (laughs) Nick Frost. That is who I'm talking about.
0: Yes, Nick Frost.
1: Simon Pegg only gets to be Simon Pegg. And then in the last episode, they're like, Dave's calling. I'm like, who's who's Dave? And it's Simon
0: Pegg.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. My bad.
0: Also, if you're a fan of Simon Pegg, no need to watch this. He's barely in it.
1: Yeah, barely at all. He probably filmed all his scenes in one day. It
0: looked like he's wearing the same outfit. He's wearing the same set of clothes. A
1: lot of them are wearing very similar outfits constantly, which really that kind of threw me off because I started to notice that Astrid was always wearing the same clothes. But then I'm like, but so's Nick. <laughs> Nick. Like, Elton always wears something similar too. Okay, I guess they're just like supposed to be cartoon characters that only have one outfit.
0: Nick's sister, I can't remember her name now, she kind of wears different things.
1: You mean Elton's sister, Helen?
0: El- yeah, Elton's sister, yeah, Helen, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was, she's wearing different things, I think.
1: Yeah, she's always changing, but she's also like, that's part of her thing, right? Like, she cosplays, she does things, right? So,
0: yeah. I thought she was going to be in it more. Like, there's so much. Like, she, her character had potential. It was mm-hmm. uh, so annoying. But <laughs> um, so we find out uh, in his office that uh, in Simon Pegg's office, mm-hmm. that Nick is the best installer in the history of
1: cable installation. Yep, he's just the best, and it's because he's the best, he needs to train up the new employee, which is Elton, as we discover. <laughs> Elton says that he's, as they're leaving the place with their new assignment, Elton tells Nick that he's sorry about his old partner. And Nick says, he's dead to me. He joined ISIS. And then, as Elton's shocked he specifies infrared specialist internet systems. Not, not
0: the ISIS. Terrorist. <laughs> but I liked it. I chuckled at that one. I, well, I didn't chuckle. I smiled. Yeah. I, I smiled at that one. Mainly because Nick doesn't even know what the other ISIS is. Yeah.
1: He's like, what else would it be? And then like lists a different acronym that's ISIS. Like, <laughs> like,
0: like, come on! What, what else would he have done? He comes, of course, with the, the, the rival cable company, ISIS. Yeah, not Smile, and their big thing—they want to have a hundred percent coverage in the UK. Mm-hmm, exactly. There's a cool little map about with a percentage
1: of it. Yeah, that was an interesting infographic. Nick is being rather condescending to Elton. And then in his truck, he's listening to that same radio station that just says one all the time. Elton asks him about it. He says that it's a number station. It's a secret long wave tra- transmission that has been repeating since World War II. No one knows who sends them or what they're for. This one is the Lincolnshire Poacher. Elton says, it's a bit creepy. Should we listen to five? And as he reaches to change the station, the transmission says one five, one five, one 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 five. Then it plays this electronic tune. Nick starts freaking out. What did you do? It's never broadcast anything but the number one. This must mean something. Then they drive off to their job. And we find out that Elton's full name is Elton John. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, again, makes me smile slash chuckle.
0: <laughs> it, just, it gets a little <laughs> But that only pays off in episode six when, or whenever you find out his his original name.
1: That's when it really pays off. There's also another time. I think it's an episode two where it pays off. I wrote it down.
0: Oh, yeah. When they talk about Elton John, they think the actual Elton John. But...
1: So they arrive at the place. It's this old lady's house. She says that it's been in the family for years. Her dad was a veterinarian. When they go to inspect her cable, Nick realizes that the cord was actually... Cut with scissors and says that this happens often that you know, lonely old women just want some company. The woman's talking Elton's ear off. She says that her dog ran away. So far, no one's called, it's been lost since 1965.
0: Just put up flyers. Yeah.
1: There's this weird thudding noise and the lights flicker and Elton gets kind of concerned. Then as they're leaving, he tells Nick that he feels bad for the lady all alone in a haunted house. And Nick asks if Elton's ever had a paranormal experience. He says no. Nick tells him to look up truth seekers on YouTube and look for chills at Cordy Rectory. Elton does. He finds Nick's own YouTube channel that is a ghost investigation channel and sees a video of Nick time-lapsing a uh, closing door that closed for nine hours <laughs> saying it was paranormal.
0: It was great. It was just like in um, Poltergeist when the paranormal people show up. They say the same thing. Oh yeah, we have this time-lapse thing where a door was shutting over X amount of hours and Craig Rick, Rick T. Nelson is like... He opens
1: the room and like it's just like everything spinning and like flying around. He's like...
0: <laughs> He's like, yeah, interesting. Anyway, so it opens the door hurricane going on inside the house, furniture flying around like I didn't
1: realize that was a reference, but that's a good one. (laughs) I don't think it was, but I connected it. I just automatically thought about my job, and um, (laughs) I think I have mentioned it before. I work for a ghost tour company here in Canada, the Haunted Walk. We have several different sites that we will visit. The one here in Kingston is Fort Henry, and there is a constant problem with doors slamming shut, but sometimes it's truly just a wind tunnel in one hallway, and that's why the doors shut. They just wanted to be ghosts so badly and they like tell you all these things like I felt a chill just before it closed and I'm like yes that would be the wind
0: (laughs) we do live in Canada it's cold always cold
1: I mean we do get like a few nice months
0: Believe me, I wouldn't mind a few a few cooler months.
1: When this whole COVID thing's over, we're just going to do, like, a exchange where you come here and I go there.
0: <laughs> That'd be great. Podcaster exchange.
1: Yep. All right. Nick drops Elton off at home. He walks in his door. The lights are not turning on. And then there's this weird robot thing in the front room and it scares him and it has flashing lights. And it's like, hello, Ellie. Turns out that it's his sister working on a project and she's super stressed out. We then see Nick at home and he's listening to the Lincoln Shire channel uh, and it still is saying one and five. Then Simon Bossman calls him and says that he needs to go back to the old lady's house tomorrow. The TV is on the fritz with a weird transmission. When they get there, it seems that like the transmission reacts to Elton if he gets closer to the TV. Then they hear another thud and confirm that there's no one else in the house and then ask to investigate the upstairs. Nick goes and grabs some ghost investigation equipment from the van and then they follow the thudding, which is coming from her father's old study. As they go inside, they see a ball that rolls along the floor. It was her dog ball. Elton says the room should be bigger based on the outside. He knows this because he used to work for an architect. This is my f- one of my favorite running gags in the
0: series, <laughs> just like all of Elton's jobs. And they should have done more with it. They should have had it in every episode. Oh, I know this because oh yeah, I worked here for a weekend. I I, I two months doing whatever. <laughs> just, they should have done it more often.
1: I know. I I would have appreciated more of it. There is quite a bit of it, but it just needed to be like every time he knows something. Oh, because, you know, I once was a dog trainer. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: I, don't know. I was a carpenter for three months. That's how I know how to build an A-frame. You know, it's just whatever it doesn't yeah. matter. Just something every month, every every episode, been every like.
1: episode. Uh, so Nick gets him to start filming him for the YouTube channel. And Nick throws the ball at the wall to find out that the wall is hollow. He puts his hand through the wallpaper and then they find a door behind it. They go inside of this new little room and they figure out that it's the same room that's been showing up on the transmission on the TV downstairs. They find a series of cassettes and one of them is called Pepper, which is the old lady's dog's name. So they decide to play it. And I love Elton's line here because he's like, should we be doing that? Haven't you seen the ring? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> doesn't he say, no, that was a videotape or something? Just
1: No, Nick doesn't say anything. He just goes and plays.
0: <laughs> I like how cavalier they are in just this old lady's house.
1: Right? Like, we're just going to break through the wallpaper. We're going to do all this stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to tear the wallpaper down, find this empty wall, go into this room, start playing tapes. And she's sitting there like, yeah,
1: go ahead. Just- <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so we actually got a tape time. Yes, tape time. Tape time! Tape time! Okay. It's a boring tape, though, but, so, In, but it's it a really tape Tape starts. Friday the 17th of December, 1965. I'm closer than I've ever been to discovering the secrets of soul separation and transfer. It's at this point that Mrs. Connelly comes into the room with tea, and she's like, what's this room? <laughs>
0: She's only (laughs) lived there her entire life. No idea.
1: (laughs) The tape continues. Alas, I've run out of test subjects, but can't stop now. Quiet, Pepper. Go and play. Hmm. Pepper, come. Good boy. That's a good boy. Don't struggle. Nick lifts the sheet off of this skeleton of a dog that, like, still has eyes, though, and, like, some tendons, and it's, like, hooked up to this device. And Elton's like, is it still alive? I think it is. It's quite terrifying. The tape continues. Don't struggle. Your sacrifice shan't be for naught. Now... Where's my axe? <laughs> then we hear a little girl's voice saying, Papa, is Pepper in there with you? And he says, oh, no, Jennifer, he's not in here. He must be somewhere else. And then somewhere else starts like repeating creepily on the tape. Yeah. And then Pepper skeleton starts like shaking. And then these blue and green sparks come out of him. And they enter the old lady. They turn off the tape. And they leave talking about where they think Pepper has gone to and where do souls go to? Question mark. Who knows? Then we hear a voice inside of the house. It's the father's voice. And it says, Pepper, come. The old lady then like gets down on all fours.
0: Hops up the stairs pretty much. So was possessed by the puppy.
1: Yeah. She just starts like barking and acting like a dog. And then you hear the dad's voice say, good boy. And that's it. Pretty much. Nick then uh, says to Elton, he's his new lucky charm and Elton says he's going to be leaving the company he's not cut out for this he doesn't want to go around to spooky houses and then the Lincolnshire transmission now says 157 which I found odd because later the number that keeps on repeating is 1597 so I wasn't sure <laughs> if I got that right but that's what it says right now and then they almost hit a person who's running across the street then Nick says this means something they drive off and we see the burnt mum and the hooded figures with the beaks and the trees and Elton's still saying that he's not cut out for this and they were reveal that behind them inside the truck now is the woman from the start astrid and she's hiding in the back of their truck end of episode one what do we think about episode one
0: um it was pointless i don't know if it's pointless because i know the rest of the series or if it was pointless at the time that's the one thing i don't
1: yeah it was a whole lot of setup really is the only thing that it's for it was fine i i enjoyed the old lady being the dog at the end I found it quite humorous, personally, because uh, I had to pause to take notes and i like paused where she was like mid like dog transformation and <laughs> it looked really funny on my screen. <gasps> yeah, it was okay, but it didn't leave me being like, okay, need to get to episode two. All that happens
0: in this episode, you meet Astrid, kinda, you see Astrid, mm-hmm. and then you get introduced to Gus, his dad, and Elton John. Mm-hmm, pretty much. And that's it. That's it. Like, they're done with all that stuff in like the first five minutes maybe ten
1: yeah and then i guess the doctor comes
0: back but the doctor comes back kinda and then they, they introduce the idea that a soul could move from a
1: person from one person to another. yes
0: right. it could be put in a machine or it could be the soul is transferable into things if you do something mm-hmm.
1: yeah which is i guess the premise for the whole entire show so
0: important but yeah <laughs> Important but at the time, even watching it, like you find out you see the soul thing a couple times, a couple more times before it pays off, if it even pays off at the end. Astrid, they introduce her, but she doesn't come back, I think, in any important way to third
1: episode, right? She is in episode two and like shows up at the end of the episode with lines. So We see her a little bit throughout episode two. Let's get into it. So we open on a man. He's smoking uh, and creepily whistling on a balcony with a clock tower, and there is a thunderstorm incoming. We then cut to two men from World War II era. They seem to be in some sort of basement. One is Professor Barkley, and he is explaining to this military man that a soldier scans the skies above ground. They alert us to the air raid. We fire up the Abikstron and (laughs) jam their communications. The Jerry's, which means Germans, I found out, won't yes. <laughs> won't know right from left. It will only block the frequency it's sent to. We're then back to the creepy whistler and we now see that he's a soldier. He's looking out the window with binoculars and sees an air raid incoming. He calls down to Professor Barkley and says, one nine five seven, repeat. Uh, One, nine, five, seven. This is not a test. And then lightning strikes the soldier in the building and it runs through these pipes down into the professor's machine and the soldier appears to be dead from the lightning. Then his voice comes back through the machine saying one, five, nine, seven. The air raid continues and the professor and the military man go into a bomb shelter. We then cut to Astrid in the back of Nick's truck. Nick and Elton are at a diner. They're talking and Elton's saying that he's not ready for what happened at the old lady's house. Nick says that he's been a paranormal investigator for 20 years and never seen anything like yesterday. This could get them into a paranormal magazine, The White Sheet, and he specifies not The White Sheets, not The Racist Society. It is a
0: magazine. This, this, this is a good one about ghosts, not the bad one. <laughs> yeah,
1: Exactly. The Astrid finds a copy of the white sheet in the back of the truck and she's reading it. Then she has to hide as Nick and Elton get back in. Elton says, can we not have another day like yesterday? And Nick says, not every place we go to will be haunted. Cut to Simon Peg telling them that they are off to one of Britain's most haunted hotels. <laughs> the Portland Beacon.
0: <laughs> and not for nothing, every place they go to in this show is it happens to be haunted.
1: It just happens to be haunted, you know. Elton has that effect on things. <laughs>
0: yes, all of England, only ghosts need,
1: need new internet. Oh, they're just like, like, you know, we need to upgrade our systems. <laughs> Nothing's yeah, changed yeah. since 1864 when we died. <laughs> but now I need new Wi-Fi. Yeah. I need to
0: have my Wi-Fi on point, and that's what I need.
1: I need to connect with Samara, okay? <laughs> we end the scene with Simon Pegg, the boss. He gets a phone call, and the whole audio is scrambled. We then cut to Elton and Nick. They're pulling up to a small home. And Elton says, no way, this dump is three stars. And Nick's like, this is my house. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Astra comes out to look through the windshield as they're walking inside. And then we see the flashing glitchy hooded figure with the beak, like standing outside of the car. We cut inside to Nick. And Elton is transfixed by this picture of a woman. Nick snaps him out of it and gives him a copy of the white sheet that is rating the hotel they're about to go to. It rates it one ghoul out of five. Not very haunted at all. The dad then comes into the room and he asks, who's this? And Nick says, Elton John. And he's like, don't be facetious. <laughs> Nick tells his dad not to mess in the study while well, he's gone and he's like I never do and then Nick's like well sometimes things are moved we then cut to Astrid she's running out of the van and she goes to hide behind the bins and the glitchy figure is in the alleyway looking for her she then lets herself into the house we cut back to Nick he's now driving and they're listening to the transmission 1597 the woman in the picture we discover is Nick's wife and she died then Elton's sister calls him and tells her tells him that she needs a plunger for her costume we find out that she's agoraphobic and she can't leave the house to get one herself they then pull up to the same place as the first scene this is the portland beacon they go inside and basically they find out that it's like a gag horror hotel like the owner has like a painting with the eyes cut out and like scares them with it or whatever and then he starts taking them around and saying that they've never had a proper signal in here they get
0: sent to this place to fix the internet signal uh the wife. the rooms have, I think, if I remember right, they have cool little themes to them. Yes.
1: Okay. So they start walking through and he's like, this is the Amniaville Lounge. Don't ever eat in here. Flies love it. <laughs> <laughs> Room two, it's blocked off. It's too dangerous for guests. It's cold, you get shocks from everything, and you hear bumps throughout the night. This is room 237. It's a twin, shining reference. Haha. <laughs> That's the nightmare on Elm Suite, and this is the psycho room. But before that, we did cut back briefly to Nick's house, and Astrid is poking around in Nick's study when the dad comes in and he starts messing about. We're back in the psycho room, and there's a nice little jump scare as the man's wife is sitting in the chair dressed as Mrs. Bates, and he's like like arguing with her to get them tea. And she's like, fuck no, you get it. And he does. And he does. Like a good man. But anyways, Nick sends Elton back to the psycho room with signal tester and a walkie talkie. Elton tries to open room two and then is stopped by Byron, the care- the caretaker, who is like ancient. <laughs> he's so old. He says, uh, Elton explains that he's not staying here. He's just here to fix the signal. And Byron says, maybe something's jamming it. Nick uh, is trying to radio Elton with no response. Then the door to room two opens on its own and you hear the tune from the Lincolnshire broadcast play. Elton goes into the room and the door shuts behind him. Nick gets the Lincolnshire broadcast on his walkie and then Elton is trying to radio him panicked, but it keeps on cutting out. So Nick goes running to try to get into the room and he's asking the owner to help him get in. They eventually get in and the owner says there's no lights because all the bulbs keep on blowing and they're looking for Elton. And we get a little jump scare. He's like hidden under all the dusty sheets in the bed. (laughs) Then we cut back to the dad. He's watching True Seekers on YouTube and making fun of it. (laughs) Then he swaps to Elton's sister's videos, which I found very bizarre that he just happened to follow this woman on YouTube. What
0: I found more bizarre is that even though they do make jokes over how True Seekers is not a big... I, yeah, Every time they go
1: somewhere, there's a fan there. That's after the dad's video though. Ah, uh, good point. It makes sense after that because they keep on referring to him gaining subscribers after that video is uploaded and then he yeah. pretends to delete it but doesn't. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, because His dad goes viral, looking like a bunny with,
1: with a bunny filter. That's like one of the most exciting things because he's he's in his pants, as they would say in Britain. <laughs> he's in like tidy whities and like has this bunny filter on him and it's trying to figure out how to get it off. And
0: then instead of deleting it or removing it, he uploads it to you. YouTube.
1: and then it's the most watched video on the ghost investigation channel <laughs> where were we oh he's watching elton's sister's videos but then we see that astrid is spying on him and then she sees the glitchy ghost figure behind him so she runs past him while he's not paying attention and hides in the bathroom sorry as she's running through the hallway i forgot she we see the burnt mom coming down the stairs and that the figures are in the hallways and that's when she locks herself in the bathroom.
0: I have a question. Yes. Knowing what we know now about Astrid, would uh, Malcolm McDowell have seen her? Hmm.
1: Maybe not. Maybe she was still... Yeah, because she doesn't
0: come back to... All right, screw it, because it doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The moral of this episode, screw it, it doesn't matter.
0: Okay. In episode seven, we find out that Astrid is dead. Yes. And died 15 years ago or something?
1: Yeah, in 97, so... So
0: So, and she doesn't come back to not be dead until the next episode, episode three.
1: Yeah, so I guess she was a ghost at this point.
0: And I found it strange as I was watching the episode. How do they not notice her in the back of the truck? (laughs) Just like, how do they not see her? Like, they can't be that oblivious to the world where they don't notice another person in the truck with them. It's not that big.
1: Yeah, you would think. And like, she's hiding underneath like a blanket, but still... (laughs)
0: Still, uh, or even in the house there's other people in the house I, they do my Malcolm McDowell is kind of seen out, not really seen out, but he is not all there I guess the best way I could put it
1: yeah I was thinking the same thing at this point but then I just like quickly ended up ignoring it
0: <laughs> yeah because I'm like oh this is a bad show yeah it being a bad show saved them
1: we cut back to Nick and Elton they're talking about why Elton went into the room when it's blocked off and he says that the door opened and he heard the tune from the Lincolnshire reposture and Nick says that that he could hear 1597 while Elton was in the room on the walkie-talkie. They go back in and Elton starts having like a panic attack in the room. Nick leaves to go get something from the van. And Byron just like sneaks into up upon Elton into the room. And he goes, I wanted to take my favorite book off the shelf. And he does. And that opens the secret door. Nick comes in and gets Elton to start recording. They head on down into the down a stairway and into the basement. They find this skeleton there, and they say that the skeleton skeleton's sh- probably been there since World War II. And Elton says, this is a naval door. It's from the 1940s. He knows this because he was a cleaner at the Imperial War Museum. <laughs> <laughs> then we hear... From the radio, get back, you Nazi scum! At one five nine seven, and then the machine starts interacting with them. They find out that it's the soldier named Alfie, so Alfie Atkins from the beginning, and that the power from the lightning transferred his soul into this machine. He is jamming the signals, all the signals, and the only way they can make him stop is to confirm with him that the war is over
0: and that they won. They talk to him for a little while, and then they convince him that the war is over and it's been over for a good while now. And then Elton says, hey, there's a door here. Maybe I should go through it. Mm -hmm. He goes through the door and voila, signal unjammed, 100% coverage all over the UK for Smile.
1: And then as they're leaving, Elton tells the owners to say bye to Byron for him. There's this like long pause like, oh, is Byron a ghost? I don't know. And then they're like, oh, you mean Mr. Barkley? He's been here forever. He came with the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) He got amnesia during uh, the war. And then Elton runs off because he sees him raking leaves or something and so he goes and asks byron for his plunger that he randomly has attached to his utility belt and so then as he's like leaving he says thanks for professor and this like jogs byron's memory a little bit i think he was a professor from the beginning of the episode yes exactly well when they say mr barkley then i knew like so he remembered his name he just didn't remember he was a professor apparently (laughs) but he also remembered that this is the book you use to get into this secret room
0: I don't even think he remembered it. He like, ooh, I'm misreading this book.
1: I want to read it now. Do <laughs> you think it was a real book? I'd, sure. <laughs> <laughs> not. Uh, let's, go with, let's go with it. <laughs> we then cut to Astrid still locked in the bathroom. It's getting dark. We're then on the car ride. It's silent. The Lickenshire poacher is no more and Nick is going to miss it. They decide to go back to Nick's house to work on some videos and then Astrid sees the headlights coming in the window. Nick is asking Elton why he told him that he was from Norfolk, but he told the machine that he was from Leicestershire. Oh, that, that's a tongue totally toaster for me. Elton says that he got confused. Nick's like, how? And Elton's like, "Don't. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I never want to deal with ghosts again. And then Astrid runs up in front of the car and she's like you have to help me i think i'm being chased by ghosts (laughs) the end the end of episode two once again left this episode being like meh don't need to watch the next one but at least it was an amusing last line it
0: was an amusing last line I'll give you that and the whole signal jammer idea thing was cool this should have been the first episode yeah cut the whole first episode out and just have this because it does the soul thing that they introduced in the first episode you could introduce them as this this is the first place they go to
1: yeah I mean we could have just had the opening scene still of like her in the hospital and whatever thing and then like they run into her somewhere All right, we're on to episode 3 and this is where they really started to lose me with the openings. This one opens on a book and it's the Priceptia Morturum. And there are two men. It's like the Middle Ages. They're discussing the book and it's been written in Christoph's blood on pages of his and other people's skin. So it
0: is a Necronomicon.
1: Exactly. The book contains magics. The publisher brings in an interested party. He's masked and then he tears a page from the book, kills Antoine, the publisher and kidnaps Christoph. And the bar wench, let's call her, I don't know, the woman, she takes the book. And we cut to Astrid asking if Nick and Elton can help her. Nick says that the sensation of being haunted can often be triggered by intense psychological trauma. Astrid says her house burnt down and she saw her mom on fire. Then she was taken to a hospital, but instead of doctors, there were groaning shadows that chased her and saw her mom again as a smoldering ghost. Nick says that would do it. And by the way, before
0: we go too far, did you notice the bar wench had bandages on her arm because Sheila was one of the volunteers at Pages?
1: I did not notice that. That's funny. I, I just thought she was Mary.
0: Ah, okay. Could have been. It could have still been Mary, but yeah, she had um, she had bandages on her arm, and then she has a an knowing look.
1: Yeah, I thought it was Mary, but I'm not sure about that. Could have been both. She could have been Mary and gave the, piece of the book. It's no, no, no. Very likely. Maybe that's why she starts killing men. She's like, he took my skin.
0: Well, she has the book. It's not like he took it just for funsies. He, <laughs> it was very important. And he also gave his own skin up, but it was only so much he can give. <laughs> Because he looked very much in bad shape.
1: Yes. He I think did. This. Between uh, giving all his blood and his skin, yeah, he was he was not looking well. Back to modern day and Nick. So he turns on the lights and this machine, he asks Astrid to tune out the front of her brain so that Nick can talk to the back bit. They talk about the mo- the show Friends a little bit, and then he asks to speak to Astrid's subconscious, and she greets him in this like very eerie voice. And she says she first encountered the ghost at the hospital near where they first found her and then she screams they're here and the machine that has been quickly increasing like suddenly sparks and like forces Nick to drop it. We cut to the next morning and all three of them are passed out and the dad comes downstairs. He turns on the computer which loudly wakes up Nick. Nick tells Elton that they have to go to work. Astrid can tag along until lunch when they go to see Janie Feathers which is such an appropriate name for her. It really is. Simon Pegg meets with the gang and they give him like this very awkward story of who Astrid is where they obviously didn't agree on it and in the first place so like i think nick says that it's his niece and like elton says it's his girlfriend and it's just like wait what
0: next is he's just doing a job shadow
1: simon gets another like scrambled phone call as they're leaving they arrive at this like double wide trailer and it's janie who it's like this hippy-dippy chick. She says that she has to cleanse Astrid before letting her in. They go inside. Astrid stays outside and Tracy sees a glitchy ghost in the trees. And then Janie lets her in. Janie mentions that, like, Nick tried to contact Emily one time. Nick changes the subject back to Astrid and he pays Janie some money. Nick notices the book from the first scene, which I'm just not going to keep on repeating its name because it was way too complicated for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: she knows they notice the Necronomica. I know that one. Exactly.
1: Uh, and then Janie lights a candle and starts the seance. It gets all windy and the lights start flickering. Astrid says they they are here and feels them. Then Janie blows out the candle because things are getting too intense. She's like, what the fuck did you bring into my house? These aren't just restless spirits of the loved ones who've passed. These are malevolent Entities. And somehow we've just rolled out the welcome back. She says that she can't help and she's not sure that anyone can. And then she ushers them out and we see that the book is missing. We cut away to a scene of the dad accidentally uploading that video we mentioned with the bunny ears and the underwear. We then cut back to the gang and Elton is offering for Astrid to stay with him. As they arrive at the house, Helen, his sister, is not happy about him offering this. And Astrid hands Nick a pamphlet for the sisters' cosplay convention coming up he sees on it that dr peter tonby is going to be giving the talk about interdimensional consciousness aka ghosts nick gets super excited about it and then he heads home and it turns out that he has the book and he starts looking into it he pulls out a paper that says discerning fact from fantasy in the diabolical magic of the preceptor mortium uh and it's by emily roberts So clearly, Emily's his wife. We're we're putting that together. They haven't said it yet. (laughs) He's cross-referencing with her paper and the book. And then he calls Elton and says that he's coming to get him and Astrid. They drive to the place where it all started, to the hospital. And he pulls out the book. Astrid is concerned. That book apparently burnt Janie's curtains when she tried to read it. So she's very concerned about it. Nick says it's okay. You just have to know what you're doing. And luckily, his late wife spent many months translating it. He's pretty sure he found the correct path to solve Astrid's ghost problem, he's 85% sure at least. They break into the hospital. It's abandoned. Like I guess our next clue that she's dead.
0: It's like abandoned or condemned. It's haunted. Condemned for a ghost problem.
1: We can't have patients here. There's ghosts. Every single hospital is haunted. We have so many stories about haunted hospitals on our tours. <laughs> well,
0: people die there all the time and every day, so it makes.
1: Except a lot of times people just complain on our tours, like, "Why don't you have any more modern ghosts? Like our most modern ghost is from the '90s." but like the ghost himself was from like the 1800s but like at least the haunting was from the 90s just like where are, like what about the recent people who've died i like i don't
0: know like it's these damn kids in their phones man they just that's what it is they don't want to yeah. they don't want to haunt anymore they're just they're just
1: zombies <laughs> it's
0: too passe now to haunt a the hospital
1: in the hospital we hear a hushed ri- whispering we see that like things are sectioned off with like caution tape Astrid leads them back to the bed where she woke up and Nick sets up a camera. Nick then says that they must leave her alone there for the spell to work. Elton's asking if they can, oh, if they can please go back to normal jobs after this. (laughs) Why? We're on the cusp cusp of something, Nick says. And Elton doesn't want to be on the cusp of something again. He refuses to explain what that means. Nick starts reading for the book and says that the caster must first take a sip of tepid urine. So he starts peeing in a bottle and Elton starts looking over the text while he's doing this Uh, and then as Nick is drinking it (laughs) Nelton interrupts he's like no it says Brian not urine and Nick drinks the urine anyways.
0: He was like, oh, really? Uh, (laughs) And then drinks it. Have another swig real quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He starts the spell. The lights turn on and they start flickering. Then the burnt mum rises at the end of Astrid's bed and Nick sees a glitchy Emily in the hallway. Elton starts reading the spell because Nick has stopped and then the mum is like on top of Astrid and the beach figure is at the end of the bed. Elton continues to read and suddenly the ghosts disappear. Nick has a voicemail from Janie. She's complaining about the book. She's like, if you harm that book, I will kill you. And then the book catches on fire. (laughs) Nick is excited and says that they won. We cut to Nick's house. Elton's asking what happened to Nick at the hospital. Why did he stop with the spell? Nick thought he saw someone he knew. Elton says he thought that meant it didn't work. Astrid said it did work. Ghost, the ghosts are gone. Nick fires up the machine and he says, yes, you are ghost free. He finds that the dad has uploaded the video to the Truth Seekers YouTube and they have 541 new subscribers because of it. Astrid thanks Elton and says she feels alive. Then the, we see the book smoldering in the background. End of episode three. Three episodes
0: in, nothing has happened yet of any interest. Pretty much. They spent one episode setting up nothing, second episode setting up a number station, and episode three introducing us to Astrid, which was the very first scene of this series.
1: Yep. And like, I guess we get the book because the page from the book is important going on. Important. And it's very heavily quoted. <laughs> like just air quotes all around that one.
0: Another one of my issues. In the beginning, when they have the issue with the book and it gets stolen by, the, by these guys that, why don't just take the book? Why are you going to take the page? Like if one page does, does this, what is in the rest of the book? Is it? The rest of the book is like pointless does it not do anything in the rest of the book
1: and how do I know that one page was super important
0: and it was the last page in the book I think he just opens the back cover ripped the last page out and walks away
1: not quite understanding that one but sure okay episode four sure yeah yeah okay so we open on a video feed of a rat with a blinking electronic red eye there are two scientists an old man and Peter the young boy we find out the old man is Dr. Connolly, the old lady from the first episode's father. The mother. They place the rat in a maze and it starts and they start a tape recorder. We get a tape time. Tape time. Test subject 1597. Processing the commands it received through a miniaturized processing information robot inserted in its eye. Although the rat is instinctively drawn down the path with a hot dog again, (laughs) our nanobot, because the young man corrects him and says the Japanese call it nanobots, So he starts calling it a nanobot. The nanobot will override his own thoughts and make him go exactly where we want it works the rat goes to the center of the maze they tune the radio to an am frequency and the old man says and now the words to begin the transfer at sick animus and then peter interrupts and wants to try he starts to increase the power to the to activate the nanobot and peter continues in a latin incantation the rat explodes and the same sparks that came out of the dog, the green and blue sparks, they come out of the rat and into the radio. And the old man instructs to quickly turn up the radio volume and rock between frequencies to draw its soul into the machine. And then the rat is heard on the radio success! You'll go far, Peter Toneby.
0: Dun dun dun. Uh, we find out who he is as a child.
1: Mm -hmm. we then cut to nick listening to peter tonaby's audiobook beyond the beyond and he's also looking over emily's paper on displacement psychology there's a page on the book in pen there's a note on it that says must contact tonaby nick recalls the glitchy emily ghost at the hospital and then he gets a notification saying that he has a hundred new subscribers on youtube Nick pretends to delete his dad's video for him and then heads off to the cosplay convention. Is it
0: Cosplay Coscon? I I like the name of the thing.
1: I never wrote down the name because it was like really long
0: and complicated. (laughs) It was like Covington Convention cosplay something. It was like cov cosplay, covcon Something like that. It was, yeah. it was, it was funny because they say it often and they kept I was like, alright, well you keep up with this weird ass thing but it's
1: great. We cut to Elton and Astrid trying to move Helen's cosplay and they're discussing what's next for Astrid. If she's going to move, what is she going to do with her life? We cut back to Nick. He's still listening to the audiobook while his dad climbs into the car to be dropped off at the bookie. Elton calls Nick, says Helen has a thing about germs and wanted to know if his van is clean. <laughs> he's like, relatively.
0: It's a work van as clean as it's gonna get.
1: Yeah. The dad recognizes Helen from YouTube, and she recognizes him from YouTube as well. They both relate to being alone all the time, and the dad's, like, saying some sad things about how Nick always, like, abandons him, whatever, and Nick's like, I did invite you, and he's like, did you, though? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, he did, but, you know. <laughs> He likes playing, you know, like, because you could tell he, Malcolm McDowell does not like
1: Nick. No, not at all. The dad and Elton are the best parts of the show, is my note here. The shtick gets
0: old with the dad after a while. They, they go to it too much. Mm-hmm. But I like the sister a bunch.
1: Yes, I do, too, as she gets more introduced. But at this point, it was the dad and Elton that entertained me the most in the show. Helen, on the drive, starts giving Richard, who's the dad, advice on how to market his brand as a YouTuber. <laughs> they then arrive and Helen asks to be left alone in the van. The rest take off. And to the top of the talk by Tonaby, Helen asks Elton to take lots of footage for her. Elton explains to Astrid that they've been coming for five years and that Helen's never made it inside. Elton is getting some general footage for her when this man in a bad way comes running up and screaming at them. They're coming. They're coming. Help, help. And Astrid's like, ah, you're Kevin McCarthy cameoing in Philip Kaufman's 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He's like, yes, you're, you're you're great. You knew that. And then he asks if they've ever had an immersive horror experience. They look at each other, reminisce on the past few days, and they're like, yes, <laughs> yes, we have. And he says, there's more inside. You have to happen upon them though. The safe word is fire. And they have this whole conversation of like, isn't that a misleading safe word? He's like, do you really think so?
0: Do you really think yelling fire in a crowded room is good? Yeah. yeah sure. He's like, sure, yeah. It's fine. I mean, he walks away.
1: Nick and the dad are waiting for the sold out Tonawee show. Nick mentions that Emily wrote a paper on him to like impress the dad into like not thinking he's such a goof. Nick runs off to go and find dad a ticket to the show and instead the dad is ushered in with Nick's ticket. We cut to Astrid and Elton entering an auditorium for something and Elton explains that something traumatic happened when he and Helen were kids And left her troubled, and he wants to do whatever he can to help her. They go off to enjoy an immersive horror experience. They, like, follow these people in yellow cloaks headed to the basement. We cut to Helen, and she's trying to psych herself up to go inside. Then we cut back to Nick, who is locked out of the talk now. The dad's in the talk, and he's hating his fucking wife. Nick is trying to find a way in. He goes to, like, several doors, and, like, there's security people rebuffing him. We cut to Elton and Astrid. They're checking out the basement, and... Then we're in the auditorium with dad and Toneby's doing his talk. He has these like quick flashing images in a slideshow. It's very clockwork orange, which is ironic as the dad is from the clockwork orange. Then Toneby's reading an incantation while the images are flipping. And I'm like, oh, he's brainwashing them? mark. A woman walks up to him and takes whatever he's been reading from. We will find out whether it is later. We're back to Elton and Astrid, and they're, they hear chanting behind a door. They start filming, and they enter the room. There are men in—sorry, they were red cloaks, not yellow cloaks. There men in red cloaks, and a woman—and the woman from the lecture is bringing in the page from the book that's, like, in plexiglass, And this is obviously a cult, but Elton and Astrid think that it's the immersive experience. So they're just like, oh, this is so exciting. And they're like, what are you doing here? Like, you're not allowed to be here. We're going to have to kill you. And they're like, oh, this is so
0: real and so fun. Oh, this is so interesting. and so intricate. You guys really go all out on this.
1: Yeah. One of the guys in like the cloak stabs the other guy. And then they're just like, "Okay, we've had enough. And they yell fire and then leave. (laughs)
0: No, it's the other way around. Like they, they're coming to get him, and then I find I'm done with this. A you know, fire, and then the guy, when they got the back I was like fire. And then stabs the other guy and then yeah. yes, they leave mm-hmm. in, the, in the
1: hubbub. Yep. Meanwhile, in the lecture, they are putting needles into the audience's eyes. And then Nick is still mad that he didn't make it in. He finds Helen still in the truck. He gives her this whole pep talk of like about going inside and whatever. And then we see the cosplay competition and Helen's costume wins first place. And Elton's so proud of his sister for making it inside. And then the dude guy that was actually from the horror experiences at the costume contest. And mean. Asks Elton and Astrid why they didn't come to the experience, and they're like, "We we did, the blood effect was great." And he's like, "Oh, you did come? Cheers, awesome, great." Then they're leaving the convention center. Oh, also, I forgot my note about the convention center. That is where they filmed *A Clockwork Orange*, apparently. Oh wow! All right, yeah. So it's even more of a reference within it. But anyways, they're heading out with Helen, like speeding away to get to the car, and they're like, "Helen, like we're so proud of you, whatever." And then it turns out that it's Nick in the costume. And Helen's super excited that he won the costume contest for her, and she says that she'll be helping him with his YouTube in exchange for him doing this. The dad says that he fell asleep in the talk, and then it, there is a reveal that there is now a nanobot in his eye. End of episode.
0: No, and also just for our fans, I should mention this: of uh, the costume, the co- the cosplay that won the contest that Helen and made was a Dalek from Doctor Who.
1: Yes, it was, but I forgot what that was called and didn't write it down because I'm not a Whovian. <laughs> Neither am
0: I. I tried to get into it and I just, I I fell off. Just in case you're yelling at at your speakers and that's a Dalek. And if you've gotten this far into the series, I commend you.
1: This was. Oh. So that episode, again, with the, it felt like a whole bunch of nothing. Yes, there was this setup of Tona B and the Nanobot, I guess. But like when you're watching it, you're like, huh? I'm just worried. I'm <laughs> confused. The main problem with this
0: show, now that we're halfway through, it is beyond poorly structured. They do nothing for six episodes and then try to pay everything off in the last two. Yep. They just spin their wheels. Six episodes, setting everything up. Then when they're doing things in the, in the last episode, you're like, oh, okay. And even then, it's kind of whatever. In this one, uh, this is the one with the reference because they introduced you to 20, which is the main antagonist of the series, and he doesn't show up for the first time until now, mm-hmm. which makes zero sense. And you see him in the beginning of this episode speaking with the doctor from the first episode, mm-hmm. but the connection is so loose and so easily missed, might as well not even have it.
1: Yes. The only reason that I knew it was the doctor was before we started recording, Jeff mentioned it to me. I had missed it completely and didn't have it in my notes. So it's a blinking. you miss it reference ridiculous
0: but here we are episode five we're almost done guys three to go
1: (laughs) okay so we open on a facility there is an alarm blaring and there's some sort of security breach uh dr tonaby has a suitcase and he uses a severed eye and tongue to gain security clearance he then also has a hand he scans the hand like a severed hand it's the wrong hand and he finds out that the person that he's pretending to be was left-handed so he has his left hand too (laughs) and he scans that and then he's stealing the page from the book in this facility. We then cut to Nick. He's soldering a chip of some sort. He says that he always felt Emily was keeping something from him. Astrid says Helen's gotten a lead on YouTube from a commenter called Jojo74. They sent a picture taken in Bodmin. It's a six foot cat the Beast of Bodman. Elton can tell how large it is because of the tree. And he used to work for a tree surgeon.
0: <laughs> I think at this point, Nick's like, of course you did. Yes. yeah,
1: sure. uh, We cut to Tonavi and his female assistant. They're in a car with Terry, who was in the lecture, but I didn't mention him. He was sitting beside the dad at the lecture and tried to like make him stop complaining the entire time. And they're at the jump off immediately little kim just pops into my mind i'm like i've been gone for a <laughs> minute now i'm back at the jump off anyway,
0: that would have made this episode so much better if
1: we literally. just started playing the jump off
0: oh, yeah, yeah just start playing the jump off fine. little kim show up that's fine. she's not doing much nowadays she
1: can be there. terry's just like talking about how he can make a sprite can disappear in his mouth
0: <laughs> you know what another thing if you were to do that in this episode also would would be an improvement
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So from here, he says that they can leave the pla- this place and start again in, on Eternus Toneby and the lady leave the car and lock it. And they say not all of us can make the transfer. Others have to make a different sacrifice. When Terry's eye starts flashing, Tonaby says that he loves him and then presses a remote and Terry explodes and then he tells his assistant to burn the car. Helen comes over to help with the videos at Nick's house and the dad's excited that Helen's over and the gang heads out.
0: I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. They kill this man. Do they ever go into why? or are they just come and kill him? I think
1: they were testing that the nanobots were working. All right, okay. That's my only reason why.
0: Because he kills his assistant later, mm-hmm. but at least there's a reason for it. For
1: it. yeah I, they needed to show us that like the nanobots if they're working it makes you explode like i guess they did that with the rat but they wanted to reaffirm it and also or
0: maybe that this is the bad guy by the way in case you didn't get it before now this is gonna cement it in
1: yeah i guess i don't know or like at least show you what's gonna happen to the father in a way like Oh no! This
0: is, this is what this guy's plan is. He's going to blow everybody's heads up for reasons. I have a very loose grasp over what Toynbee's plan is.
1: As do I. It's not very properly explained. I'll, we'll get to my notes on it because I did write down all of his things that he reveals about the plan. But it's
0: just they're yeah. all they're all going to go to Eternia mm-hmm. in the end and live a, a very lo- lovely life. But only he can, it ends up that only he can go. Mm-hmm. But he has to blow everybody's heads up to get there, and because he needs a life energy force and then he has a silver
1: throat yeah because it will make him immortal for reasons yeah I have no idea. Okay. But okay. Just, no. the gang uh, gets a call from Simon Pegg. He says that Elton and Nick are his top employees and asks if they are in Bodmin. Well, because they explain that they're in Bodmin and it's their day off. And he asks if they're there to like hunt down the beast. And somebody emailed him pictures.
0: He gets emailed pictures of himself in his office, sitting in his office.
1: And he's quite disturbed by that. We then cut to Helen looking bored at Nick's videos. And then finds an article in the white sheet magazine about Britain's most haunted boy and at this point I literally just wrote dash it's Elton (laughs) I just knew this automatically but no we don't actually get to know this for a while yet. I think two more episodes yeah. is when
0: they actually revealed this one. I think the next episode is the best episode of the series.
1: I don't remember what it is without looking at my notes right now.
0: <laughs> I think the next episode is the witch one.
1: Yeah, that doll was kind of creepy.
0: Believe me, it's a low bar to cross. Mm-hmm. It, it got over the bar. I'm not saying it was all oh, so good. Watch that. Watch the series for Still, best episode out of these eight.
1: I would agree with that. Alright, Helen is reading this article and then the dad offers her tea and some company. So back to the gang in the car. Uh, they figure out that the pick In the back of the picture is a happy eater, and those restaurants have been closed since 97. We then see that the dad asks uh, Helen what's wrong, you know, in general with her life. She's a sad sack, so he's like, what's wrong? Then she asks, what's wrong with your eye? Because, like, it is bright red. She checks out his eye and says that there's, like, a puncture wound in it.
0: He has some excuse. Like, oh, it's just irritated or something.
1: She asks to take a picture of it. She does, and, like, that, like, starts the flashing in his eye, but she doesn't notice. Back at Bodman, Astrid starts directing the filming. She's very good at directing. She took a chorus apparently.
0: She so did a ghostly directing course? Yeah.
1: They start spreading cat food around for the beast to find, and then they find this really large poop. Nick tells Elton that he has to pick it up in a plastic bag, and it's still warm. And then they can hear, like, growling noises. The growling's coming from two different places. They break into the abandoned Happy Eater and there's music that's playing faintly. They notice a hot cup of tea sitting out. Elton decides to shake the vending machine for some shrimp chips, I think it was. And this uncovers another secret door. Elton's really good with the secret doors.
0: We find out, I guess, why later, because he's the conduit. He is Cole Seeker from the Sixth Sense, I guess. I guess so. You know, he
1: is a door, so he finds doors.
0: He, oh, he's the key master or the gatekeeper. goes on.
1: <laughs> so this doorway leads to a stairway and then down into a basement full of Charlie Day walls. <laughs> I wrote Charlie Day Walls for days. <laughs> and then they hear the growling noise and it's coming from the radio. And there's a giant cutout of a cat there. There was no beast. It's all been set up. And then this woman in like a silver cloak slash jacket thing sneaks up on them, says that she knows them from YouTube. She has a paranormal library in her little office and including a book by Tonoby, and she says that he's a hack. Nick defends him in a very sad way. (laughs) She says that Nick has just started scratching the surface, that the Portland Beacon was impressive, but his actions may have been counterproductive. She says But smile is a way to manipulate their brainwaves. Someone responsible for recent spike in paranormal activity. She then gets Nick's number. <laughs> My note is that she's generally pretty wacky.
0: And then she doesn't want to be queen. And she wants to hunt bears or something. I don't know. Yeah. With her bow and arrow.
1: You know, she has like these three mischievous brothers. They just keep on eating all of her food.
0: <laughs> That's who had the warm tea outside it was one of her mm-hmm. brothers.
1: If you're not getting these references, we're referencing Brave. Anyways. <laughs>
0: I saw that movie once when it was new and I literally I mentioned everything I remember from it. As
1: did I. Like, I'm just like oh and her dad was funny and his name was Fergus. <laughs> like that's it. Anyways we cut to Helen. She's heading home and the dad notices his eye is flashed red in the mirror and when he covers it and reopened his eye he has flashbacks to the lecture and everything and the needle piercing his eye. Nick uploads the Beast video and it says case unsolved. We see Jojo 74 watching it. That's end of the episode
0: oh yeah because the only thing we missed with jojo 74 was oh i knew you guys would find i was hoping you guys would find out this was a fake but please don't post that it was a fake and then he ends up doing what she says or something
1: yeah he just says that it's unsolved all right so that episode, once again, not a whole lot happened.
0: This episode exists to show Toynbee's a bad guy and introduces us to JoJo jo 74. She does come back. She does come back. Granted, I don't know what her point is to come back, but she does. Agreed. And I knew she was going to come back. And I'm like, hey, you're actually somebody, so you'll be back.
1: I've been having this issue lately where I hear like generic white man presenter voice and I am automatically i am like, Chris Harrison from The Bachelor? It's never him. I'm like, <laughs> I just think everyone is him. Apparently.
0: What are you going to do if it is him one day? He's just like, oh, wow. It is. It happens to be pretty
1: racist. I mean, like based on what's recently happened, I'll be like, "Oh, that racist bastard." But anyways, (laughs) okay. So on to episode six. We open. It's a rainy day, and there's a shot of various old buildings, and we hear a church bell's tolling. We cut to an imprisoned woman with a handmade doll. Three men come in to impale her on what they call the heretic spike for murdering twelve men. She's a witch apparently, and she has the book. She transfers her soul into the doll, and then we cut to Nick. He is planning to go live stream. Simon Pegg says that there's a big push in the Chestershire area. There are lots of installations, and he gives Nick and Elton first tips on what they would like. Elton asks, why are you looking for 100% coverage all over the UK? And Simon says, so wherever customers are in the UK, they have coverage. Elton confirms it's not so they can control everyone, and Simon's like, no. They go to the Chestershire Institute because that's the one that Nick chooses, as it used to be an insane asylum. And now they're turning it into apartments. We cut to Tonery and his assistant, and they are in what he calls the Sacred Spot. It's a mystical place where the convergence of ley lines ensures that the barrier between dimensions is weak. Ancient magic resides all around an electromagnetic shield through which, which the modern world cannot never penetrate. And I say to that, not a good enough reason to use the word penetrate.
0: You sure? I don't know, it seems like it's halfway decent.
1: It's my Pitch Perfect reference that I always say whenever <laughs> someone says Penetrate. It is my best friend's favorite rom-com, so I have seen it many times, although I hate it. And my main criticism of the movie is that Anna Kendrick wants to be a DJ, and the way that she's going to become a DJ is by only remixing the song Titanium. And she does it like eight times. <laughs> like, I hated this song to start with. Can you stop remixing it? Okay, I thought you were going to say Anna Kendrick really
0: wants to be a DJ and hates that her dad wants to pay for her college in her apartment. So that she can get a, a real education.
1: There's that too, but titanium was worse. <laughs>
0: that is what I thought it was. I'm like, all right, because I
1: I have an issue with that. I do too, but like that's like a common thing in rom coms, right? Like, oh, dad, you want me to succeed at life? Oh. <laughs> but like, succeed
0: and do, and you do not even tell me to not ever be a DJ. Just go to school and DJ on the side. I refuse. It's all about the art. I'm like, all right, yeah. And then you're gonna pay for my college in this huge ass apartment complex that I live in, apparently.
1: I think those were the dorms because she has a roommate. I lived in a
0: dorm. That was not a dorm.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's movie dorms. Just like the movie dorms are always like ridiculous. It's like, oh, we live in this palace because that's what dorms are here. I'm like, I lived in a dorm. Um, We had one bathroom for the floor.
0: Oh, God. And my room was a 10 by 6 cell for two of us.
1: Yeah, no thanks. I was in an off residence residence building. So I had my own private room. We had two bathrooms and like the unit was shared between five people people. Uh but anyways, back to this show. Uh as Sonobee is saying that uh, like no like modern technology can reach us here, his assistant's like, ooh, I have four bars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's like, that's not possible. He yeah. pulls out his phone. Also four bars. And I think it's a text message or something. He,
1: well, he decides to call the Portland Beacon and be like, what oh, the dude. fuck is happening? And this is the hotel from episode two. He talks to the wife, Wendy, and it turns out that she has a nanobot in her eye. He tells her to start preparing for the eclipse. He says that he got an email from her hotel for the first time in 10 years. And then she's like, they fixed the Wi-Fi. And he asks, her, what was the problem and who fixed it? And she's just like, smile fixed it. He's, duh, duh,
0: duh. I don't like oh, no. that. Must look this up.
1: Yes. We cut to the gang and Helen and they're organizing for the live feed. They're off to the Institute and Ashton's reading its Wikipedia page saying that it opened in 1810. It housed Peter, the camel killer, and Aaron Kopsminski. He was thought to be Jack the Ripper at the end. Closed after the unlawful execution of serial killer Mary Colford in 1868. Which I'm like, wait a second. This Institute was open from 1810 to 1868 and that's it? What? Really? What, what did they do with like all the insane people? Because like that was the height of like, let's throw people into like cages and strap them to beds.
0: And at that time, would they really have it for them killing, for them killing a, a serial killer, which maybe 50 years later? Yes, but not.
1: I was going to say based on the treatment of like prisoners in Kingston Penitentiary, where I hear stories of. So the first warden of Kingston Penitentiary used to like to do target practice on the prisoners. He would shoot a bo- uh, bow and arrow at them. That was the treatment of the prisoners here. So I can only imagine that it would be something similar in England. Uh, We then meet the owner of the place. He's a very unpleasant person. He says that, This building has been plaguing his family for hundreds of years that and syphilis
0: (laughs) (laughs) don't know how syphilis would plague a family but
1: whatever i'm just gonna i don't want to know we cut to helen and the dad they're chatting about the live stream and then we're back to astrid she asks nick for his favorite haunting and he says the hinkley boy it was emily's obsession a young man claims to have seen an apparition in his basement and the world's media descended upon it him and his whole family disappeared they've never been seen again and i'm just like huh wonder who that is. In case you weren't wondering
0: that, you just see the look on Elton's face.
1: And meanwhile Elton's like, you couldn't pay me to live in these apartments that they're making care And Nick's just like, no, you have to pay to be in the apartments, son." <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works. Astrid offers to go room to room uh, looking and because Elton had chickened out of that role, he says that he's going to stay in the van, but then he tries to be like, no, 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 I'll go with Astrid, and Nick's like, nah, you you made your bed. You're going to be in the van.
0: Oh yeah, by the way, I don't know if we've mentioned this, we probably haven't because it really doesn't matter either. Elton's trying to put the moves on Astrid. like with her, I guess?
1: Yeah. I don't see really her reciprocating, reciprocating until like randomly at the end. Yeah. Anyway.
0: For no reason, basically the last thing she does is reciprocate, and I didn't see any inklings of that the whole way through, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah,
1: whatever. They're preparing for their live stream with Helen and then like Nick records this really ridiculous intro where he himself is like repeating things like what you would do in post edit to make it creepy. He's just like The creepiest place ever, ever, ever. (laughs) I love
0: it because after he's done, Ash is like, perfect. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah,
1: she's lying through her teeth. Helen's just like, looks so disturbed. Nick heads to the basement. Astrid heads upstairs. She's going room by room. Elton's in the van and he is also streaming from the van. Helen and the dad are making fun of Elton, who's trying to flirt with Astrid, and they talk about how hard it was losing Emily. Helen says that it was hard for her growing up because her parents only paid attention to Elton, and then it's revealed that the dad is Emily's dad, not Nick's dad.
0: So it's Nick's father in-law.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's just been calling him dad for 20 years, so. Why stop it makes
0: sense to why they have such a cantankerous relationship. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Everyone's chiming in, and then Astrid asks how Emily died, and Nick admits that she died in Car accident, and then he asked for them, like, not to do this now with the live stream. Like, let's just do the live stream. Cut back to Tonaby. They're at their sacred spot. He's on his computer, gets a notification about truth seekers. He looks up Nick and the live stream. He also watches the Portland Beacon episode and he gets like this evil look on his face about it uh, because they
0: explained that um at the end when they solved the connection problem that, that it was a ghost in the machine blocking the signal yeah blocking signal. so he's like oh that's why there's signal here now because he fixed it by doing this dun, dun,
1: dun. yeah and then we hear helen tell them that they have 47 viewers on the live stream and jojo 74 is commenting on it and then astrid finds a hidden door this time not elton she goes into the abandoned room with a desk. She finds the heretic bike and a book by Dr. Kettering. The book has really disturbing illustrations in it that are religiously based. Nick asks for the fastest way to get to Astrid because she says that she has something he should see and Helen says that according to the floor plan that she pulled up from the 1960s he can't go straight but Nick says that there is room for him to go straight and he's going to go straight. As he does so, the camera cuts out. Spooky things start to happen to him.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: He uh, tells Elton to go ask the owner if there are any extensions after the 1960s. Um, And Nick is in this dungeon-like area. There are satanic kind of writings all over the walls. And he hears overlapping voices. And then the voice of Mary says, Are you the door? Something woke me. Someone in this building can release me. Let me take my revenge. Take me with you. Nick says he's married, so she can't. And she says he was married forever. Emily. She does miss you so. She had a message for you. She says they lied. Everybody lies to you. The old man wishes it had been you and not her. The girl is not what she seems. And the boy, the boy has lied to you from the moment you met him. Elton interrupts the owner who was jerking it in his car. As you do. As you do. asks if there were any additions and the guy says that there were no additions. But asks if the space that he found is big enough for another apartment. Elton says he doesn't know and the guy just like rolls up his window to continue jerking it. Nick says that to show your And then the doll pokes its head from around the corner. She says, help me get my revenge. I'll tell you everything. Maybe even let poor dead Emily speak again. Astrid is rushing to get to Nick with the book and the heretic spike. The doll is climbing up Nick's body and she says, they murdered me, butchered me without trial, but I knew they were coming. So I cast a spell. It just didn't go according to plan. Emily says she never stopped loving you. She says, help Mary. She deserves revenge so she can rest. Emily's voice comes through her and she says, if you love me, you do it, Gus. Astrid and Elton and the owner go into the passage where Nick went and their signal cuts out on the live stream as well. Mary's continuing. Help poor Mary. Holford? The doll is now in Nick's face and Nick says he will never help her and throws the doll. Like Astrid and Elton get inside the room and he tells them to get out because the doll is possessed and the owner sets the doll on fire and then the sparks come out of the doll and go into him. Ellen gives up on the live stream and goes to watch Chase with Dad. The owner goes back to the basement after they've left and he now has the voice of Mary and uses the heretic spike on himself. Nick reflects on all the interactions with Elton and looks at the white sheet article on the most haunted boy and then the pick of the picture of Emily that Elton was staring at before and he notices Elton in the window behind her and puts everything together end of episode.
0: Finally, puts
1: everything together. And this was an episode we enjoyed the most.
0: It has nothing to do with Elton or Gus, it has to do with the witch and that whole cool doll effect was, was nice and the whole everybody lies to you, Gus you know, um, the girl's not what she seems, the guy, the guy's lying you the whole time which anybody with half a brain realize that he's been lying to him the whole time mm-hmm. the old man wishes it was you I think Gus knows
1: that the old man wishes it was him yeah I enjoyed this one too I like the doll aspect it reminded me a lot of the real Annabelle case if you've ever read that
0: it was, it was very raggedy Ann-ish that
1: yeah doll. exactly and there's the story of like that one time the girl's boyfriend woke up and Annabelle was like at the foot of the bed and she like crawled up his body and strangled
0: him that'll be that'll constitute me breaking up with somebody
1: you would think like this guy like really like got it she scratched him at one point too. And like, she just really didn't like the dude. Shall we move on to episode 7 and keep on plowing through this very boring series? <laughs> Please, yeah.
0: Yes. The quicker we go, the quicker,
1: the quicker we'll make it to the end. Yes. Get it home. All right. Now is where the series starts picking up with everything they've been setting up. So we open yeah. on two kids. They're playing video games and their voices are dubbed in by the adult actors who play them. Oh really? I didn't notice that. I did really? notice that. I was just like, this is kind of obnoxious. So their mom tells Christina to go get the wash and Christina. Tina says it's Lionel's turn and she doesn't want to go in the basement. And he says he doesn't want to go in the basement because it's creepy. But the mom's like, no, you have to. So he heads down there with his bin to go get the wash. I, I wrote here, there is a clown doll and I am less than impressed by it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it didn't scare you. It must not have been scary. <laughs>
1: The machine's not done yet and Lino's like begging it to finish quickly and then the machine does finish. We see that it's a hot wash 1597. He starts grabbing the washing and he turns to leave and he hears a female voice whisper open the door. We see the flame sprout out from behind him and then he turns to see the burnt mom behind him. He screams and tries to run out of the basement but the basement door slams shut and he's trapped. We cut to Nick. He's picking up Elton from home. Says to get move on already, went to see Simon Pegg already. They're off to Norfolk, which I just realized the callback to this when um I read my notes is like first told Nick that he was from Norfolk and then like changed it to Leicestershire. So like then Nick pulls the same thing on him. I thought it was funny. Okay. Okay. So Helen um is showing off her cosplay to Astrid, like past cosplays. Astrid notes that Nick is super chipper. Nick asks Helen to tag along and she says she can't. She needs to work on her own YouTube channel. He asks her if she's watching the eclipse later, and she says she will be. We cut to the sacred spot, and Toneby is greeting a group of businessmen there. His assistant interrupts. She's asking about snacks and toilets for them, and he says that's the last thing they're worried about before the ascension. The eclipse is in eight hours. It's time. He activates the nanobots on the men, and they all put on sunglasses. The dad is on a video call with Helen, and she asks if she should come over to hang out with him, and then his nanobot gets activated, and he says that. He has to go. We cut back to Nick driving Elton, and Elton's asking if they're going to Norfolk. Why are they in Leicestershire? And he doesn't want to go there. And Astrid asks why. What's wrong with Leicestershire? And Nick asks Elton to fill her in. And Elton says, "You lied to me." And then he leaves the van. And like Nick's just like, "Yeah, that's rich. He lied to me too." Nick gives Astrid the white sheet article. Says young boy haunted by fiery ghost. They gave him a lie detector test, but they also noticed structural damage. Image and all of it proved that this ghost actually happened, I guess. Nick also shows him the picture of Emily and points out Elton in the top corner. Astrid then goes off after Elton. We cut to Simon Pig yelling at Camera in his office and his Secretary Bjorn comes in and Simon tells him that someone has been spying on him. He's not sure who. It could be the Russian or the Chinese. And someone keeps sending him video feeds from his security camera that include him like doing yoga and things. We then cut to Elton. He says he couldn't tell anyone that he swore he'd never go back. And he remembers screaming for help that no one could hear him. When he escaped, things only got worse. My sister told my mom, my mom told my neighbor, and it escalated from there. Oh, it shows a flashback of like the white sheet article and like journalists like taking pictures of him and whatever. And Elton explains, scientists came and took measurements and readings and asked me a bunch of questions. Journalists showed up demanding pictures and interviews. People knocked on the doors at all hours, being horrible and taunting. Some came to help, but just wanted a glimpse of me. Eventually we ran away and had to change my identity. Nick says, I knew Elton John wasn't your real name. And he's like, it's not. What is it then? Lionel Richie.
0: That whole flashback I think it's just to explain why Helen is the way she is. Mm-hmm. That shows us basically he got all the attention, she got ignored to the point where she was afraid to go outside.
1: Yeah, that and I guess like they were being harassed whenever they went outside. So but it was like even her
0: family would forget about her, like basically show family pictures and she would like forget to be, they would forget to put her in the picture or things like that or just be behind a wall and nobody would notice. Mm-hmm. You see again, pushed further and further away from the rest of the family unit.
1: Yeah, and like when they Go to run away. They drive away without her, and I have to like come back. <laughs> yeah, they come back to get her. So Elton says that he's been running his whole life, and he's been seeing things because of that house. And Nick says, "No, it's because of you. You're the door." Mary Colford was talking about uh, that she could sense. You're a door, you're a conduit, a gateway. Nick spent his whole life looking for ghosts and he got fuck all before he met Elton. Astrid says Elton uh, should go back to the house because going back to the hospital helped her. <laughs> Nick says the plus, so it will be great for the channel. Yeah,
0: But then he goes, no, this is just for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do it if we just record it gets recorded. And Nick, I think agrees to it. I and mean, then of course.
1: Exactly. We cut back to Tonaby, All the businessmen are building and setting up something. There's like this circle of LED lights and Tonaby's yelling at them that he wants them to turn red for the eclipse and like they're struggling to do this. He alludes to not everyone surviving the ascension and says he feels the boundary between worlds weakening as the eclipse draws near, but the smile signal will still prevent them from crossing over. The assistant says, what about the page from the book chapter 15, verse 97 of the incantation the signal? And then he says the signal is stronger even than the magic of the page. Now he knows how to block it. Yes, As his assistant for a favor we cut to helen doing the tutorial on they live she says it's crazy sci-fi about aliens taking over earth by controlling people's minds it's the kind of film where people seem normal but act weird because they're not who you think they are we cut to the dad with the nanobot in his eye glowing we then cut back to nick pulling up to elton's old house Astrid asks about the note that Emily wrote on her paper saying contact Toneby. Did she know him? And Nick says he doesn't think so. They go knocking on the door and a man answers. He immediately lets them in like he's very polite.
0: Super duper friendly. Yeah. And yeah, they go over everything. And then the daughter is watching a truth seekers video on her phone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nick is explaining that uh, in 97, something happened to Elton in their basement. And the daughter's like, I know them. They're the truth seekers from YouTube. I've watched all your videos. Meanwhile, Bjorn and Simon Pegg, they're trying to figure out a way to track down the hackers. Simon says that the game is afoot. And I'm like, yay, finally, someone said that in one of our... <laughs> (laughs) the daughter meanwhile brings the gang down to the basement elton heads down alone and then he yells oh my god and then they rush down and they find out the reason he yelled that was the basement's not like he remembered
0: but even in the flashback the basement wasn't scary
1: the basement was like unfinished and kind of eerie whereas now it's completely finished and like an exercise room and there was like a big window where like light was coming into the basement it was fine
0: yeah then when the house i grew up in had a basement look like a dungeon
1: yeah uh the house i'm moving into doesn't have a proper basement it has a crawl space like john wayne gacy's house and i'm like "Ah," and it's all like old limestone and i'm like this place is definitely haunted oh
0: we'll have a a new new guest for the podcast it'd be um the ghost that lives in your house
1: The basement is not like Elton remembered it, and that makes him scream. He says he doesn't feel anything down there, so Nick runs off to get more ghost-detecting equipment. Meanwhile, the meter that he left behind starts to detect something. We cut to the Portland beacon. The assistant is standing on the clock tower balcony. Antonia B is on the ground. He says that she's not meant to see Eternus, and he starts an incantation that brings on lightning. She goes to hug the pipe slightly down to the machine that Atkins was trapped in, and lightning strikes just like before, and her. Soul is transferred into the machine. We cut back to Helen arriving at Nick's house to check up on the dad. She sees this weird stockpile on the table that we later find out is in the shape of the sacred place and it's sitting on the kitchen table, but she can't find the dad anywhere. We cut back to the gang and Astrid notices that the meter is starting to flicker and then the lights start to flicker as well. One of them bursts, and meanwhile, Helen takes the chairlift up the stairs. (laughs) Then we see that people. People are flocking to the sacred place. Nick is rifling in his van for things and missing all of the lights flickering on in the house. Meanwhile, the homeowner is freaking out as the house shakes and the lights are flickering and his daughter is filming a glitchy hooded figure that's standing outside their back door.
0: <laughs> I love how she's just non like... Come on, she's a True Seekers fan. It's fine. She's like, oh, yeah, she's going to start her own YouTube channel
1: now. I love it. There's a hissing voice in the basement, and then the door slams. Elton saying Nick was right. It is him. Astrid said when she woke up in the hospital, it was like a nightmare she had been in, had a thousand times. But the time I stayed awake was the time Elton appeared. She hasn't been telling him the whole truth. Then the burnt mom appears. Nick then gets what he's looking for and goes to head back in. But he sees Emily standing in the driveway. Astrid approaches the burnt mom and they touch hands. And then the mom turns into normal mom. The mom says, it wasn't her time. You were the only one who could save her. You were a shining door in the darkness. I had to push her through back to the world of the living. Alden asks who she's talking about, and Astrid says it's her. We cut back to Emily outside. She says that she's sorry, says that she didn't want to leave him. She went to find a future for them, an eternal future. She wasn't allowed to tell him, not until we knew it could be done, she says. I wanted us to be together in paradise, but he murdered me. Nick says they told me that you had been killed in an accident accident and Emily says they lied. Tona murdered her. We cut back to Elton and Astrid. Elton's asking, you died in 1997 and you didn't think to tell me? She says that she didn't know at first but figured it out at the hospital when Elton and Nick brought her fully into this world. When they met, she was neither dead or alive. She was trapped between and was only able to come through when Elton was near and the mum could push her back to this side. Meanwhile, Emily says he's going to try again. He has a whole army this time. Dr. Tonobi is going to blow off the heads of 200 willing volunteers, asks Nick. Uh, And Emily says the eclipse, he's taken their minds. The mom is apologizing for scaring Elton. He says it's okay. He's not scared anymore. The mom says that now that her baby is safe, she has to go, but she's not the only one who got through. It's time for us all to get back. Time for Elton to close the door. He says he doesn't know how, and she says, yes, you do. You always have. Meanwhile, Emily is saying that you get to the power station. You've got to save them. The power station being uh, the sacred place. Elton and Astrid join hands and close eyes, and Astrid tells her mom that she loves her. Emily says, says that I I love you. And then Nick's phone starts ringing and as he reaches for it, she disappears and Elton closes the door. Helen is the one that's called Nick and she says that dad is gone but there's a stockpile uh, on the table modeled as the sacred place. Nick knows where that is. Let's go. He's going to come in and grab Helen and then they're going to be off to Portland. They have four hours to the eclipse. And that's that episode.
0: This was the Elton John episode or the Elton episode? This should have been like the third episode or the fourth episode of the series. His backstory. We realize they confirm what we have known the whole time, Mm -hmm. and with one episode left,
1: one episode left out of the entire series since it was not renewed. (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's just finish this thing. All right. We open with Tonoby and Emily at the sacred place. Uh, There is a chalk casting circle written out on the floor. Tonoby says, "Picture ten years from now, the next eclipse, and the ascension to Eternus will begin." Pulls up a seat in the middle of the casting circle and tells. emily to sit emily asks if all followers were implanted with nanobots can they really be willing souls as laid out in the page. He says as long as they willingly had the implant put in them, uh, the light inside turns to red with the eclipse, and Tonevi then decides to slit Emily's neck. He says he'll do the same thing to himself in 10 years, and that the last face he'll remember is hers. Emily's soul escapes, and Tonevi measures it with a device, and he says seven spirums. and then that makes him calculate that there are 5.5 spirums per person, and he will therefore need to get 170 let's say 200 people to be safe meanwhile simon peg and bjorn are triangulating the signal of the hacker and simon they figure it out so simon steals bjorn's car and says that the location's only 10 minutes away so he drives off meanwhile on a loudspeaker at the sacred place chonobi is greeting all wanderers of the cosmos into the building meanwhile nick and the gang pull up and they're watching all the zombie-like people heading into the building nick says they all need to die at the same place at the same time for the ritual to work Nick asks Astrid for the camera and tells her that she looks as pale as a ghost. (laughs) Meanwhile, Nick still doesn't know. But anyways, Nick says they're checking people's eyes. And Helen says that uh, the dad's eye had turned red after... He attended Toneby's talk. Nick remembers Emily saying, you need to look for fire in their eyes. Elton says that they're screwed. They can't get in without red eyes. And Helen pulls out her makeup bag and says that like, perhaps they can have red eyes because she did a tutorial in one of the earlier episodes that showed her changing the color of her eyes.
0: Oh, that's right. I was wondering about that. Yeah, she says something about some eye drops and turn your eyes a different color or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Simon uh, is meanwhile running in a field. He's on the phone with Bjorn and then he finds a table with a blue rose on it. He says that they're losing signaled strength in Portland and Simon realizes they've been played. He tells Bjorn to find Nick and put him through to him. We cut to the gang. JoJo74 has called Nick and she's warning him not to go to Portland. Uh, she says the puppet masters are pulling the strings. Everything you see and hear is because of them. You're going to be asked to make a choice today. Don't trust them. Nick asks too and then Elton says that he's on the phone with Simon Pegg. Nick mutes JoJo and talks to Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg says, I need you to get to Portland immediately. Nick says, we're here. He says, Christ, you're good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's the best. Yeah,
1: Simon needs uh, Nick to do a favor and then Nick's saying that he can't. He has a family thing. Simon's like, it can't be more important than this. And he's like, yes, my dad's been kidnapped by a cult. And Simon's like, Peter Toneby? (laughs) He knows all about it because he is also a follower of the paranormal, apparently. He's asking if Tonaby is using mass hypnosis and Nick explains that it's exploding nanobots in their eyes and Dead. Simon says that. And the smile signal is down in Portland and as long as it is Tonobu is going to get everything he wants. Simon asks, says that he can help but Nick has to do exactly what he says. Nick has to make a choice of who he's going to trust, Jojo or Simon. In the end he chooses Simon. He lies to Jojo and says that he's not in Portland and that he's not going to trust anyone and hangs up on her. But Simon says that he needs the signal at full strength to disable the nanobots. The signal cuts and like we hear the Lincolnshire poacher in the assistant's voice saying the numbers now. Nick tells Elton to get to the beacon and switch off the machine blocking the signal. Helen gives Nick the eye drops and then they both head off to try to sabotage Toneby. Astrid asks uh, who's blocking the signal now and Elton says, another ghost like you? When did you figure out you weren't alive? And she says, when we went to the hospital. My mom said, sorry, she couldn't save me. Helen's freaking out. She's not sure that she can do this with her agoraphobia and Nick is giving her a pep talk. Curie checks their eyes. Both of them are red so they get the clear and come in. Nick tells Helen that she needs to find the dad and take him far away from here, far enough so his head won't explode. (laughs) Simon arrives. The Smile headquarters and meanwhile, Elton and Astrid are at the beacon. They go down into the room. Helen finds the dad and tries to tell him they need to leave. He starts pointing at her and then everyone starts pointing at her. Nick sees people in red cloaks and then the security makes them both. We cut away to Simon.
0: And uh, him pointing and everybody pointing at it is a bike snatchers reference. Is a witch Ooh. reference? Bike snatchers.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: You found out you're one of the body snatchers. They point at you and do this weird yell.
1: Meanwhile, Simon and Bjorn need to short out some of the nanobots by prematurely rolling out the 8G network. Bjorn says they're only running on 6G now and Simon says we're always at a couple of Gs ahead. Elton and Astrid are running down to the machine. They ask the machine who's there Alara introduces herself and asks who they are Then she recognizes Astrid and she's like you're the stupid little girl that made Alan kill Keith at the convention. She says that she gave her life willingly. It's an honor to work with Tonebi. She says that she's blocking the signal and there's nothing they can do to stop her. Elton tries to smash the machine and is blown back and then Astrid tells Elton to let her inside He's a conduit. Uh it worked for Alfie and her mom. He creates doors between life and death. Astrid says, Open the door to the dead and she'll go in and kick Elira's ass. That will bring back the smile signal. But before she does, she kisses Elton just in case she doesn't come back.
0: Uh. <sighs> <laughs> just, uh, just uh
1: Yeah. As we said, there's no lead up on her side to this. And then also by her doing that, you immediately are like, okay, so you're not coming back. Cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're not, yeah. So you're gone forever. Got it. Cliffhanger is, she's gone and season two is about getting her back, which we'll never know. And then somehow, someway, Elton gets her into the
1: machine. Basically Elton, while kissing her and closing his eyes, Astrid glitches out and disappears. And then we hear her inside the machine and she's fighting with Alara. Meanwhile, the eclipse is starting and be is uh, hyping up the crowd like it's some sort of convention and they're all like cheering and then he has two hooded assistants uh, they're flipping s- some switches on the machine and then the crowd stops cheering and the nanobots are activated Helen and the dad now both have nanobots and they're being zombie like B starts reading from the page in Latin he gets mad because the hooded figure behind him is not repeating the lines as he should he gets very irritated saying that they've been practicing this for 10 years and at this point we clearly know it's Nick and then Nick attacks the other hooded assistant and throws off his hood and attacks Tonoby with his meter device. Astrid and Alera, meanwhile, are fighting. And the other glitchy ghost with the plague doctor masks appear behind Elton. He goes to close the door to stop them from being coming in. Nick and Tonoby are still sparring and Nick kicks him where it hurts. We cut to Simon Bjorn. Uh, smile signal is not only to provide broadband fast service. It also blocks against interdimensional exchanges, Simon explains. As long as the signal gets back up, the HG should pulse through the nanobots, forcing them to short out to protect themselves. The eclipse is now coming. Tone to be bests uh, Nick, and then he says, It's time for them all to ascend to Turnus. All of them start raising their hands, and Nick sees Emily in the crowd. Simon and Bjorn are waiting on the signal. Elton's telling Astrid to hurry up. Astrid's telling Alara that Tonoby had conned her. Let Elton bring you back. You can be you again. And then the glitchy figure is creeping up behind Elton. He uses his powers to banish it. Tonoby slits his own throat and activates the bots. Alara decides to unjam the signal. The 8G goes through all the nanobots and they are stopped. Elton then tries to get Astrid back, but he can't. Tonoby is dying. He tells Nick he ruined his life's work. Nick tells him off for murdering Emily pretty much and then we have a very sweet moment where Helen and di- the dad snap to and then they hug each other as they reunite and uh, they reunite with Nick as well. Elsewhere Jojo 74 turns out to be one of Tonabi's people and she orders a man to go clean up the mess. Then Elton comes back to get everyone. Nick asks where is Astrid. Elton explains that she was a ghost, went into the machine, couldn't bring her back. She's wherever Elfie is. Her mom was the ghost in the basement. Helen asks, so Astrid was the reason our lives fell apart. All the tests on you. Why I can't, uh, why I got ill? And Elton's like, yeah, and now she's gone. Nick says, well, she's got to still be out there somewhere. We got her back once. Maybe we can do it again. And Elton's like, how? Nick says, we're truth seekers. They drive off and you would think that would be the end, but no. We caught to Simon and his blue rose and he says to somebody, like, oh, I wondered when you would pay me a visit and then we see it's Jojo 74. She asks, what did he come as? <laughs> and Simon, Simon says, a man. And she says, that wig is dreadful. And I agree. Yep, it is a dreadful wig.
0: <laughs> yes, it was horrible the whole way through. But now,
1: now we know it was purposefully horrible. Yes. She says, at least you wore some clothes this time. B was a mistake. He was so caught up uh, on the immortality thing, he couldn't see the bigger picture. Simon says, never send a human being to do a super being's job. And then they decide to go out for a meal. And Jojo says that she's sorry, your precious ast- Astrid crossed over. And Simon said, I would not want to be her right now. Then the picture that was behind Simon's desk shifts into Astrid's face, and we hear her say "hello." And that's the end of the series.
0: Yeah, not good. Um, <laughs> it, it had the cardinal sin of any horror thing, and this is a horror comedy. You could be everything but boring. You could be bad. You could be not scary. You can be funny. You could be all kinds of things. You just can't be boring. And this is this is where that's what this is. Because even campy is good. Like any, you could find goodness in a whole lot of places, especially in this genre. But man, once you. Bored, like you failed
1: like epically failed i agree there was a lot of references to other horror things within it but like not enough to make it interesting yeah a lot of the plot points they were just very drawn out and weren't interesting on their own and then they all got crammed into the last two episodes to suddenly be like relevant for one tiny thing from those plot lines It was a boring and exhausting watch.
0: You could edit this down into a movie-ish, even, like Mm -hmm. like maybe a two and a half hour movie, and it would be, it wouldn't even be good. That's the problem I'm having with it, I think, Mm -hmm. because even if I were to make it the best I can with what they have there, it would just be okay.
1: Did you watch the trilogy of, like, Shaun of the Dead, um, why can't I think of the middle one? I, Shaun of the
0: Dead. I haven't seen um World's End or Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is the other one. Yeah.
1: Um, so Sean of the Dead, I liked it. I thought it was pretty funny. Hot Fuzz, again, pretty funny. And then World's End, I was eh about it and i feel like this is the world's end movie
0: <laughs> yeah i only saw sean then i didn't really like it that much i'm not a fan so the other ones came out and just no i
1: appreciated it for being very funny homage to zombie movies and it like truly wanting to be an homage i appreciated <laughs> it and kind of the same with Hafas, where it's like you're making fun of cop movies which I enjoyed because I watch a lot of cop movies and I'm like, yeah, you, you're, you've got the tropes here and it's funny. But then World's End was just boring.
0: When they have eight episodes, they don't have enough to fill eight episodes of content. Mm-hmm. So they stretch it out. And then at the end, they leave you with questions that they had time to answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did, they, did they think they were going to just be guaranteed that second season?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: It's JoJo 76 thing, JoJo 76, whatever that is. I'm like, alright, so she's in on it, obviously with Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. But they had supported Time B, but then he kind of went off script i guess so they went they had to shut him down and sent nick to do it yeah but which then- makes me question
1: what is their goal
0: exactly you beat me to it like what what do they want because you just think simon peckens is a bumbling boss the whole time at the end he seems to be a higher being that has this under control under his control mm-hmm. somehow for some reason yeah. that they don't get into
1: yeah exactly like there was so much filler throughout the these episodes, and then the last five minutes—not even five minutes—it was like three minutes—leave mm. you with all the questions because you're like, "What the heck?" Like, none of this was alluded to before, and
0: then the Astrid thing. All right, so she's being punished, I guess, and put in a painting for
1: a reason. Yeah, really didn't understand that one. Like, how is she haunting a painting, and how did she get into the painting, and then yeah. she somehow gets—I don't know where their headquarters is, but it's not Portland. Um, what? No,
0: but she wasn't in Portland. She was a, where. That whatever the Beacon Hotel was, yeah, well, that's Portland. Know. It's in Portland too. Yeah. All right, I don't want to. I don't know, so I'm just at a loss. Like, all right, what was the point of it? It's besides having the save Astrid thing be the motivating drive in season two.
1: So, anyways, when it comes to the series, I don't think either of us recommend it. <laughs>
0: There is no reason for anybody to watch this like, No. The sixth episode is cool with the witch, but even then.
1: Yeah. Like, I would tell you, if you want to watch one episode of it, watch episode six. You barely need the context of the other episodes because, like, honestly, nothing matters in this series.
0: <laughs> no, nah, nothing does. And yeah, and even then, it's not even like it's so good you have to watch
1: it. No, it really isn't,
0: but... It's, it's just the best out of these eight. That's all it is. It's just the best one we've watched. What would you rate it a- out of 10? A two? Yeah, because, yeah, two. Because, like I said, the cardinal sin of horror is boring. You can't be boring. You could be anything. You just can't be boring.
1: Yeah, I would give it a two as well for the jokes that made me chuckle and for the use of the creepy doll. It wasn't scary enough
0: to be horror or funny enough to be a comedy, so I don't know what to do with this.
1: I completely agree. It's
0: just middle of the road for both genres. Man, oh man, Canceled with reason. <laughs> but, uh now so Jackie mm-hmm. oh well I mean I, I, actually I'll do this you did a, a lot of heavy lifting today so next week we start our season 2 this one was about the Ghostbusters England I guess fighting ghosts
1: less entertaining Ghostbusters in England
0: if anybody ever tells me Ghostbusters 2 is terrible I'm gonna tell them to watch this yeah even though I personally like Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2 it has Vigo it has but anyway next week we will be starting season 2 with the Paranormal Activity franchise
1: yes and I really enjoyed this franchise. I have only seen the first 3 movies though. When I say that, where I think movie 3 is the best out of them that I uh, but
0: me I have I think I might have watched half of the first, but I don't remember which version of the first one I watched. They have different endings.
1: Yeah, that is fair. And whenever I talk to people, I ask them which ending they saw, because depending on the ending, there's good endings, there's bad endings. But I really liked the first movie when it came out. As we've already discussed in this episode, I'm a ghost person. I, Mm -hmm. I enjoy the paranormal. And when I was a child, a house that I lived in, I believe it was haunted and we had very weirdly similar experiences to some of the things they mention in this film that it got under my skin and creeped me out.
0: (laughs) We're in a good place. We're in a good place. I have not seen the rest of them, so this is going to be treading new ground for me. There's six of these coming up, so we have our next six weeks planned out. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a ghostly six weeks. (laughs) We got this. Spooky. So spooky. So very spooky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Jackie, where, where, where can we be found?
1: Where can we be found? Well, you can join us on the Facebook group. We would love to have you on the Facebook group. You can join us at a series of horrors or you can join us on instagram also series of horrors podcast and what if they want to reach out to us and tell us something
0: they want to reach out to us, talk to us. Um, they can. Like I said, Facebook group, Facebook group is great. But also, if you want to email us something more personal, sounds bad, but something else, just want to email us. Hey, we're more than happy to hear from you guys. It's, it's going to be at series of horrors at gmail.com. Also, that's for movie suggestions, podcast suggestions, just to say hello and hi. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? We'll tr- if we get some stuff, we might even start addressing them here. Maybe.
1: Ooh, if you want to send me your own ghost stories, I love that. Please do
0: oh yeah see you could do that you send me recipes as i said Mm -hmm. also don't forget to rate subscribe thumb up star tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a
1: friend Mm -hmm. let them know please do but i guess that's us for this week it's been fun
0: yes it's been it's been a good one so guys uh see you guys next week and have fun being ghostly
1: or something (laughs) maybe have fun haunting your own house because we're all stuck at home (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll see you bye